Welcome to Access Utah. I'm Tom Williams. Live from Studio C, our performance space here at our UPR studios, it's our annual tradition, the Access Utah Holiday Special. We'll hear some uh, guitar music for the season from uh, Mike Christiansen, who is a professor of music at Utah State University, well-known guitarist in the uh, Logan area. And we'll be hearing some uh, excerpts from the wonderful uh, book and radio series, The Christmas Chronicles, The Legend of Santa Claus, from its author, Tim Sloper, who is professor of theater at University of Utah. Axis Utah Holiday Special, live from Studio C. I heard the sound, even through the wind that had suddenly kicked up, but it didn't make any sense. And I couldn't see what was making it. I thought I was alone on that wintry mountain. The sunset was just beginning to paint the snow gold and coming up over a gilded rise through a stand of... That's a bit of uh, Tim Slover uh, from the radio series, which, by the way, you can hear next week, 9 o'clock in the morning and 8 o'clock at night, Monday through Thursday, right here on UPR. It's become a holiday tradition with us. Uh, we welcome in by telephone from uh, Salt Lake City, uh, Tim Slover. Welcome to the program. Thanks. Great to be here. And uh, it's good to have you back on the program. Uh, by the way, it should uh, tell you, uh, Christmas Chronicles has fast become a much-requested holiday tradition here at UPR, so we're happy to have it. I'm very gratified. Thank you. <laughs> As we go along today on our holiday special, we'll hear Tim Slover reading from uh, the Christmas Chronicles, The Legend of Santa Claus, and uh, some other readings for the season. And we'll talk a bit more with uh, Tim Slover, who's professor of theater at uh, University of Utah, as we go along. So we're glad to have you with us. In Studio C, we have uh, Mike Christiansen, who comes back to our program. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you very much, Tom. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you being here. Of course, uh, guitarist uh, well-known in uh, Utah and professor of music at uh, Utah State University. And congratulations, Carnegie Professor of the Year. Hey, thank you very much. It's a real honor. Very, very great. Uh, you said there were some uh, ceremonies and some interesting things happening uh, in conjunction with Carnegie Professor of the Year. Yeah, I, uh, I was able to go out to Washington, D.C. and uh, receive the award out there and uh, did a performance at the National Press Club and then uh, went over to Senator Hatch's office and picked a little bit on a guitar he had in his office. <laughs> and uh, last night they had a reception here at the uh, Alumni House and it was a really wonderful event. Some, a lot of uh, friends and uh, colleagues and uh, students. It was, it was wonderful. Well, um, before we get into some music, we'll begin with uh, Mike Christiansen on the guitar. Um, I'm guessing that at the Christiansen household, the music is uh, prominently featured as a, as a holiday tradition. Uh, yeah, it is. I mean, we've uh, you know we're empty nesters now, but uh, when the, as the kids were home growing up, we always had music going on in the house and. Still, when they come back to visit, there's a lot, a lot of music going on. <laughs> I imagine uh, your children. I think at least some of them are musicians, right? Right. Corey is uh, Corey and Emily, wonderful guitarists, and uh, Corey's teaching with me here. He's an adjunct faculty and teaching here with me in the department and touring a lot. In fact, he just got back from Italy the other day doing a tour there. And uh, Emily is a uh, guitar professor down in Texas and uh, just a wonderful, wonderful guitarist herself and. Uh, my other two children play a little bit. I have a son that's a guitar playing plastic surgeon. And oh, I, I see. <laughs> and then I, and then I have a, a daughter that plays piano and uh, and uh, raises her children down in North Salt Lake. Mm. So yeah. Oh, it's it's wonderful to have music. It it seems like it's just interwoven in in the in the season. Music has to be there. It is, and for uh, 
professional players, this is harvest season. Yeah, so yeah, I a, imagine. <laughs> a lot of gigs right now. I imagine. <laughs> well, let's hear some music. And you were mentioning, you're reminding me that uh, Silent Night, that was composed on the guitar. It was. It was, yeah. In fact, uh, the, the first one, the accompaniment, was, was written on the guitar. And it's, uh, it's actually, uh, the, the original was more just a uh, kind of a, uh, that kind of a thing. But um, I have a version that's kind of a copy of a copy of a copy <laughs> of the original. It has the tune kind of interwoven with it. So maybe I'll go ahead and play that. Certainly. And then play, uh, and then we'll soup it up just a little bit. All right. So this will be the, the first Silent Night. Okay. Mike Christiansen on the guitar. Silent Night. Very nice. Thank you. Very nice. Thank you. Uh, there's a wide variety of uh, things to choose from. What uh, Do you have principles that you use, or I guess favorites? Is that what, what you choose? Yeah. It's, um, I mean, I do have favorites of, of mine that I play, but uh, very often it's fun just to take the favorites of the, of the listening audience and see what they would like to hear. And there are always those that... Uh, you know, that keep popping up. The nice thing about learning Christmas arrangements is you can play them forever. <laughs> Every <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, let's hear some more. Let's hear a couple songs. Maybe. Okay. Thank you. 
Very nice. Thank Very you. nice. It uh, started out in a couple of those uh, straight and then yeah, <laughs> then uh, swung it a little bit. That's Very right. nice, yeah. Okay. That's probably what people want to hear, a little you know, straight straight version and then swing it a bit. Lighten it up a little. Yeah. 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 Mike Christiansen on the guitar. We're going to be hearing uh, music uh, from Mike Christiansen throughout the hour. You're listening to the Access Utah Holiday Special. I'm Tom Williams coming to you from Studio C, our performance space here at the UPR Studios. Uh, we bring in now Tim Slover. Uh, Tim, um, professor of theater at University of Utah, and your plays have been performed uh, and uh, on Broadway and in, uh, in uh, Great Britain as well. Uh, I'm blocking, I'm sorry, Tim Slover, on a couple of your more famous plays. Uh, remind me, uh, and I'm sure I'll say aha as, you, as soon as you tell me. <laughs> well, the one you're talking about is uh, called Joyful Noise. Yes. <laughs> Which is the the story of, of Handel, right? And, right, and Messiah. yeah, Handel and uh, uh, and uh, Susanna Sibber, who uh, was the original mezzo in Messiah, and uh, that whole story of Messiah, and uh, some others that people probably will know. Um, a play called Treasure, uh, which is uh, about um, uh, Alexander Hamilton. Um, a lot of a lot of historical plays. Yeah. Um, uh, the latest one is uh, called uh, Virtue. It's about uh, the 12th century nun Hildegard of Bingen. So a real cloud, crowd pleaser, as you can imagine. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> yeah, the people flock to that. I, I think there is some interest in Hildegard of, of Bingen. Um, the Christmas Chronicles. This has become very popular, um, and I guess it's, it's appropriate that a playwright uh, would, would have tackled this. I think this began as a, as a radio program before it became a book. Right. It actually began as stories that uh, I told our two boys growing up, um, and then um, great uh, radio producers, something really uh, smart about radio producers, I think, um, thought it might be good to be uh, some, some radio episodes, uh, and then um, Random House got involved with it as a book. Mm. Like, uh, Wally Rudolph put out at KBYU, right? Uh, you, and, you and he sort of got together on that? Yeah, you can't keep anything Christmas away from Wally Rudolph. <laughs> That's what I understand. <laughs> I believe he's retired from there, but I'm I'm glad glad he was there and and uh, in the right place, the right time with you. Uh, so you say these uh, started as uh, stories uh, to your children. Uh, this is Christmas Chronicles: The Legend of Santa Claus. You you outline how Santa Claus became Santa Claus. What uh, the, these were stories that uh, it really did start with you telling stories to your kids. It did. Um, it, uh, it, it bothered me that um, uh, the whys and wherefores and how it all worked of Santa Claus um, were so sketchy. Um, and um, I can only tell you, Tom, that it always felt like reportage to me. I'm, I, I went with Random House when they wanted to call it the legend of Santa Claus. To me, it's just the way things really happen. Mm-hmm. And um, so, um, yeah, I just told them they would have questions like, you know, um, how does he deliver the toys all in one night? All that kind of thing that all kids have. And, um, you know, there are answers to these things. So I just put them down. Yeah, it's outlined very logically in your in your book. And it, this is um, this is high drama. This is good versus evil, belief versus skepticism. Yeah, all those things that seem to me to be uh, part and parcel of the Christmas season. Mm-hmm. Well, let's hear, we're going to be hearing some uh, passages from Christmas Chronicles and some other things. So let's hear uh, the first uh, uh, segment from uh, Tim Slover, author of the Christmas Chronicles. Thank you. Well, this is the part where uh, Klaus, who is a medieval carpenter, uh, thinks up the idea for the very first time of delivering his homemade toys to children. Uh, a plague has just um, 
uh, got raged through his village uh, in the Black Forest, and um, now it's the aftermath of it, and the children have actually helped him in repairing some things in the village, and now it's time for their reward. So here's that excerpt called The First Toy Deliveries. Klaus kept his sensational idea quiet, but the villagers noticed that he did not go out of his house nearly so much as October gave way to November. And when the snow began to fly in December, Klaus loaded his large flour sack, the very one in which he had packed his tools around town, and made his way to the fine stone church in the middle of the village to see the parish priest, Father Goswin. I'm not sure that I entirely understand, said Father Goswin, when Klaus took an object from the sack and showed it to him. It was a carved wooden bear with legs that really moved. It's a toy, Klaus said proudly. I have 53, not all bears, of course. He rummaged around in his sack, filled with the toys he had been making almost without stopping to sleep or eat for the past weeks. Look at this one. I've made 15 of these. He put into Father Goswin's hand a spinning top made of white ash. The priest turned it over in his hand. He could make nothing of it. Here, said Klaus, you have to apply the string. And he wound up the top and sent it skipping and whistling up the nave. It crashed merrily into the choir screen. Klaus, cried Father Goswin in alarm. Fifty-three, said Klaus again, retrieving his top. Just the number of the children in the village, if you count little Lena, born last week. Look, I made this for her. Rummaging around in his sack again, he produced a minuscule rattle and shook it. I mean to take them to all the children's houses. Ah, Father Goswin said. Why? They've lost so much this year, and then they helped when I needed it. It's their reward. And the thought of the children opening their doors and tripping sleepily over a bear or a top or a boat, his face lit up with a smile. And the joke will be even greater for those who only pretended to help. His smile grew broader. Father Goswin had seen these smiles before and knew what they portended. Now, Klaus, he warned, you must not laugh. This is a holy edifice. And so Klaus did not laugh, but it was a near thing. They won't see me, he said. The toys will appear on their doorsteps in the night, and in the morning the children will wake up and find them there, as if by magic. Father Goswin crossed himself quickly. As if by an angel, you mean, he said. If you like, Klaus said. Now, the eve of Christmas is coming in a few days, and I thought that would be a good night to make my deliveries. Klaus carefully placed his sack at the priest's feet. So, I've come to ask, will you bless my toys? Father Goswin hesitated. He had blessed the sick, he had blessed women in childbirth, he had even blessed the occasional cow or goat, but toys, playthings, this was new, and perhaps not entirely appropriate? Seeing the priest's hesitation, Klaus pressed his point. Christmas is when we celebrate God's Son coming down and becoming a child, do we not? The shepherds gave the baby gifts, didn't they? And so did the astrologers. Wise men, the priest corrected him. So it's the perfect night to give my toys to the children, the night God gave us the gift of himself. Well, when put that way, Father Goswin drew himself up and laid an ecclesiastical hand on the bulky sack. In his best pulpit voice, he said, Bless these toys, O Lord. At that moment, all the candles in the church blazed up suddenly brighter, a thing which had never happened before. The priest looked around, startled. For many weeks afterwards, he pondered this singular occurrence. It was as if he finally concluded heaven had approved his blessing. 
And he once later preached a Christmas sermon that all toys, given and received in love, are holy. And he believed it. And in time, he also came to believe that the whole thing had been his idea. On Christmas morning, as soon as there was light in the sky, Klaus stood outside his door and tried to be invisible while he watched and listened to what was happening all over the village below. He had gone out just after midnight on Christmas Eve, wrapped in a great shapeless cloak, his bag slung over his back. He left the toys on doorsteps, believing that as they had been blessed, no one would steal them, and no one did. Now it was the next morning. He listened with great satisfaction to shouts of surprise and glee floating up to his cottage. A mother rose early to go out and feed the chickens, or a father opened the door just after frosty dawn to bring in some firewood, and they discovered the toys. Then they called for Ilsa, or Gabriel, or Greta, and the children came running because the voice sounded so glad. And the father, or aunt, or in the grander house's serving girl said, here's a marvelous tall doll for you. See, its arms and legs can move. Or, here is a carven deer. Look at its antlers. Or, here is a boat. Someone must know how you love to play at the mill pond. And then the children's eyes grew wide with wonder and delight, or their jaws dropped, or they whooped for joy, because it had been so long since they had had something of their own, just for pure enjoyment and fun. And for some, it was the very first time. And then the children hugged the dolls close or ran shouting down to the mill pond with their boats or instantly named their bears and set them growling. Little Lena rattled her rattle, and the 15 who received tops somehow found each other in the village market square and started a heated competition. And it was all more glorious and wonderful than anyone could ever have dreamed. Toys. Toys on Christmas Day. Tim Slover reading from the Christmas Chronicles. Uh, that's a radio series that you'll be able to hear here on Utah Public Radio. It's uh, coming up Monday uh, through Thursday, 9 a.m., repeated 8 p.m. Uh, Tim Slover, it, it's obvious Christmas means a lot to you. What it what does, does it mean? Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry? W- what does it mean to you? Um, you know, funny thing for me is it's, um, it's, it's as important a secular holiday as it is for uh, many people a spiritual holiday. And I kind of think that it's the one time of year when these things kind of blend the best. I've just noticed that um, where the Christmas spirit is, whether it's in a mall or in a church, people are a little nicer to each other often. I mean, sometimes they're not, and that's a violation of the Christmas spirit. But it does feel like the world pauses for a bit. Um, I lived in uh, plenty of non-Christian countries, and uh, and in there, even you know, South Korea, where I grew up as a boy, part part way. It was interesting how, in a Buddhist country, uh, Christmas was celebrated, and um, uh, Santa Claus was there, a Korean Santa Claus, the greatest kind, and uh, and people <laughs> seemed to just relax a little bit and enjoy themselves. Hmm. Of course, that can all get wrecked by too much you know hecticness and too much commercialism. But if people will just let Christmas wash over them, I really honestly think it can be a great time for them. We'll have more from Tim Slover, reading from uh, Christmas Chronicles and other readings, and we'll have more music for the season from guitarist Mike Christiansen. We're going to take a brief break and be back with the uh, Access Utah Holiday Special. On the next Putumayo World Music Hour, we'll hear some of the mellower sounds on the European sonic landscape with acoustic balladeers from Italy, Scotland, Greece, and France. I'm Rosalie Howarth. Join us for Acoustic Europe, the next Putumayo World Music Hour. 
Friday night at 10 on Utah Public Radio. Support for Access Utah comes from Crumb Brothers Artisan Bread at 300 South and 300 West in Logan. Now open Monday through Saturday until 2, offering a changing menu of a specialty salad, French breakfast pastries with local seasonal fruits, and lunch sandwiches. You're listening to Access Utah. It's our holiday special. We're in Studio C, our performance space, with Mike Christiansen on the guitar. On the phone is Tim Slover from Salt Lake City, author of The Christmas Chronicles. And we're going to hear some more music right now. Mike uh, Christiansen, what are we going to hear? A couple of uh, English tunes. Let's do a little uh, What Child Is This? and then uh, lighten it up a little bit with uh, God Rest You Merry Gentlemen. All right, Mike Christiansen on the guitar. Very good, yeah, very good. A couple of English carols. Yes, yes. Yeah. Uh, you said, um, you know, you, you get to take the pulse of the audience. They'll request what they would like. You get a, a feeling for that. Has that changed over time? There, are there some new standards that have become requested as, as you go out and play? Well, every once in a while. You know, Christmas, Christmas time is here. Charlie Brown mm-hmm. uh, tune comes in. But uh, every once in a while a new one will pop up. But uh, mostly people this time of year, they, it's just the, the good old standards. Yeah, you know? yeah. I guess there's a reason they're, they're standards. That's right. That's right. Yeah. 
We'll hear more from Mike Christiansen uh, coming up. We're hearing the uh, songs for the seasons, the uh, music for the seasons, and some readings for the season. Uh, the uh, Access Utah Holiday Special, Tom Williams with you. Turn back to Tim Slover. Uh, Tim, we, uh, of course, are enjoying some readings from the Christmas Chronicles. I'm wondering um, why you why you wrote the, the whole thing about Santa Claus. There's other aspects of Christmas, I suppose, you could have done. Is this because that's what your kids were wondering about? Uh, primarily, yes. Um, I mean, there are other Christmas things I've done, um, other things I've written. Um, but, um, yeah, this, you know, Santa Claus is kind of front and center. Mm-hmm. And a very interesting, you address some very interesting questions that we've all had as kids and, and as grown-ups, too. You know, how how can Santa Claus deliver all those toys in just, you know, one night? Uh, how can he fly? You know, all, all those questions. You You answer them. Uh, well, I feel like, yeah, the answers are there. I'm just telling you what, what really happens. <laughs> and it occurs to me, Santa Claus is sort of, I don't know, a, a bit of a nexus between the, the sacred and the secular that you were talking about as well. Well, exactly. Uh, I think I really think that. Um, I just, I'm sorry, I just have to say parenthetically, even over the phone, this is about the best Christmas music I've ever heard. It's really fantastic to hear this great guitar playing. Oh, excellent, excellent. Uh, well, we'll, uh, we'll be hearing some more of it. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Great. Well, let's hear another uh, another selection. Okay, this is many years have now passed. Klaus has gotten married. Uh his wife Anna has brought um among other things to the marriage, uh, a sleigh and uh, a reindeer of hers called Dasher. And Klaus has continued these now deliveries, and they've gotten farther and farther out from his little village, and he's finding it harder and harder to make the deliveries. Uh, And this is about a particular moment uh, in his history. It's called the first flight. He did not know why he had stopped. He had never done so before unless there was a runner which wanted fixing or a harness buckle to adjust. But now he felt a need to be still. Something was happening, he felt, though he did not know what. He looked down into the valley at his village. Waves of frigid air rose up from there and made him shiver. He pulled his crimson coat close, but he could not get warm. The cold current made him feel exhausted to his very bones. He caught a glimpse of his beard, almost all white now, as it caught the icy breeze and danced before his eyes. I'm old, he thought too old to keep making these deliveries. For it seemed to Klaus that the weight of the years he had ignored for so long now piled themselves upon him all at once. They made him stoop and stagger. At this, Dasher grew alarmed. He stamped a hoof and snorted again. He rubbed Klaus with his glossy flank as if trying to rally him. He caught Klaus's gaze in his large brown reindeer's eyes, and to Klaus it seemed as if those eyes were urging him to do something. But what? He was so tired. Impulsively, he threw his arms around Dasher's neck, his own eyes filling with sad and weary tears. Great heart, he spoke low into the ear of the beast. I feel my strength is gone. I feel I'm at the end of things. What shall I do? Now it happened that Dasher had been waiting through all these decades for Klaus to speak to him, spirit to spirit. For though he was Anna's dear, in truth he had been made for Klaus. And now that Klaus had finally spoken to him, not as a man talks idly to a beast, but as one soul seeks out another, Dasher was able at last to reply. Your strength is not gone, Klaus, he said. Indeed, the beginning of your true strength is about to come upon you. Are you... are you speaking to me, old friend? Klaus asked Dasher in amazement. I am, 
Dasher said. You have spoken to me as one soul to another, and that has unleashed the magic. Cover your ears, O oh man. And then Dasher threw back his great antlered head and bugled as no reindeer had ever bugled before or ever has since. The sky rang with the immense sound as it echoed and re-echoed up into the heavens. Then silence fell while Jupiter, Klaus's jovial star, beamed benevolently down on them. What will happen now? Klaus asked in an awed whisper. Wait and see, Dasher said. In the hush, the mountain, the man and the reindeer, the very air seemed poised for something, something even more extraordinary than Dasher finding speech at last. Klaus caught a scent in the air, clean and bracing. Why, it's peppermint, he realized, and felt much better. Still, he waited. Then he heard the joyful sound of sleigh bells. He looked back down the track to see who was approaching, but the sound wasn't coming from the track, nor was it coming from anywhere on the shoulder of the mountain or from the valley below. It was coming from above Klaus's head. He looked up in wonder, and this is what he saw. Coming fast from the north, cleaving the cold air in strict formation, were seven reindeer, six almost as large and deep-chested as Dasher, the seventh a female more dainty. And these reindeer were flying, not metaphorically, but really, truly flying. Swift as eagles, fast as racehorses, they galloped through a bank of cloud and their antlers flashed in the moonlight as they scattered it in all directions. I have seen many astonishing sights in my life, Klaus reported years later, but none to compare with that. They were so fierce and alive, coming on like quicksilver, flashing across the sky. I shall never forget it. And nor does anyone else who has had the privilege of seeing that sight. One of the reindeer gripped a, a harness in its teeth, and it was the bells from this which Klaus was hearing, all alighted and pressed up against Dasher as though to reacquaint themselves with him. It has been long, brother, Klaus heard one say. Dasher looked at Klaus and saw his deep bewilderment. We are not demons, Klaus, nor angels. We are reindeer, just as you see us. But we were awakened long ago for this very purpose, for the moment when your burden would prove too taxing harness us. And so in a kind of dream, Klaus unhitched Dasher's tack from the front of the sleigh and replaced it with the new harness. With Dasher in the lead, all eight reindeer stepped into their traces as one, and Klaus buckled them in. Now get in the sleigh, Klaus, and hang on, for we, Dasher, Dasher shouted as all the reindeer pawed the snow, are the eight flyers. And just as Klaus found his seat in the sleigh, and not a split second too soon, the reindeer leaped into the air like an arrow shot from a bow. Klaus's first flight was more glorious than any of us who have not ridden in a sleigh pulled by flying reindeer can ever know. After a few moments of initial vertigo and not knowing up from down, he took to flying in his sleigh as if he'd been born to it, which, of course, he had. He exulted in the wind blowing through his hair and at the sight of the sleeping villages below and the wheeling stars above. And when he thought of how quickly he would be able to get his toys to the children now, and then when he thought that he could be let down to a roof rather than having to climb up to it, and then finally, when he thought how quickly he would be back by Anna's side, sheer joy bubbled up in him. <laughs> he began, and then <laughs> he noted as he warmed to his theme, and then finally, in his deep, rich bass, ho, 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 he laughed as he sailed through the roaring winter night. Tim Slover, reading from the Christmas Chronicles. Uh, 
perhaps the first time we heard the ho 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 there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and it, it, you, in the book, you uh, start out with Klaus uh, delivering these uh, toys to just uh, one village, and he has to, you know, climb up to the roofs, uh, and then he discovers this uh, this ability to to fly. You lay it out very logically. Also, there's romance, his love of his life, Anna, and there's a nemesis. Yeah, there is. Uh, There's always somebody, it seems like, in a person's life who, no matter how humble they are, is jealous of them anyway and doesn't wish them well. It seems like that so often happens, and um, he really has someone that dogs him all his days, uh, a fellow carpenter named Rolf Eckhoff. Mm. And uh, jealousy seems to be one of his prime motivators. Yeah, it really is. Even though, you know, he's a man of some talents, and often that's the case, isn't it? Um, But he just envies Klaus a great deal. We'll hear uh, more readings from Tim Slover coming up. Right now, some more music from uh, Mike Christiansen. What are we going to hear? Uh, Oh, Holy Night. By Christiansen on the guitar. Oh, holy night there. You're listening to the uh, Access Utah Holiday Special. We'll be back after a brief break with more from Mike Christiansen and Tim Slover.
Are you a discerning music fan? Bad songs about the Irish smiles, uh, what you got the Tura and the Lura, and more Lura. I mean, yeah. it's crazy. Sung by men with high voices. Tired of the musically uninteresting? Let me sing some of that to you here. Yeah, maybe later. How much later? Later, later. Okay. Or the overly earnest? I'll write songs, try to make the world a better place. There's a contradiction there, partner. We'll have you singing a different tune this weekend. Sunday at noon on Utah Public Radio. Utah Public Radio News, linking listeners living in rural Utah and the state's larger communities through daily newscasts, featuring our 530 News during All Things Considered. Utah News focuses on our unique lifestyle for the latest in science, agriculture, art, and religion reporting. And during this election year, UPR News and Access Utah are the most reliable resources for statewide coverage. UPR is your favorite public radio station for statewide news. You're listening to Access Utah Holiday Special. I'm Tom Williams. We're in Studio C, our performance space. We have Mike Christiansen on the guitar here, and on the telephone is Tim Slover, author of The Christmas Chronicles. And do we turn uh, back next to Tim Slover? Uh, what have you got for us next, Tim? Well, um, you know, everybody knows, I think, that or should know, that A.A. A. Milne, the great English writer, is uh, the author of Winnie the Pooh. But Milne also, he was a very prolific writer, and um, he wrote for a humor magazine called Punch. Uh, and in the case of what I'm going to read now, um, he has some very good Christmas advice, especially if you happen to be visiting someone for Christmas this year and spending the season with them. This is called A Hint for Next Christmas by A.A. A. Milne. I am reminded of the ingenuity of a friend of mine, William by name, who arrived at a large country house for Christmas without any present in his bag. He had expected neither to give nor to receive anything, but to his horror, he discovered on the 24th that everybody was preparing a Christmas present for him, and that it was taken for granted that he would require a little privacy and brown paper on Christmas Eve for the purpose of addressing his own offerings to others. He had wild thoughts of telegraphing to London for something to be sent down and spoke to other members of the house party in order to discover what sort of presents would be suitable. "'What are you giving our host?' he asked one of them. "'Mary and I are giving him a book,' said John, referring to his wife. William then approached the youngest son of the house and discovered that he and his next brother Dick were sharing in this, that, and the other. When he had heard this, William retired to his own room and thought profoundly. He was the first down to breakfast on Christmas morning. All the places at the table were piled high with presents. He looked at John's place.' The top parcel said, To John and Mary from Charles. William took out his fountain pen and added a couple of words to the inscription. It then read, To John and Mary from Charles and William. And in William's opinion, looked just as effective as before. He moved on to the next place. To Angela from Father, said the top parcel. And William, wrote William. At his hostess place, he hesitated for a moment. The first present there was for darling mother from her loving children. It did not seem that an and William was quite suitable, but his hostess was not to be deprived of William's kindly thought. Twenty seconds later, the handkerchiefs from John and Mary and William expressed all the nice things he was feeling for her. He passed on to the next place. 
It is, of course, impossible to thank every donor of a joint gift. One simply thanks the first person whose eyes one happens to catch. Sometimes William's eye was caught, sometimes not. But he was spared all embarrassment, and I can recommend his solution of the problem with perfect confidence to those who may be in a similar predicament this Christmas. A.A. Milne. Very very good. Um, And I think we've all at least had that thought. (laughs) If if not, acted on it, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Very very good. I didn't know A.A. Milne uh, wrote humor pieces. Oh, yeah. He... um... And, you know, he thought of a lot of the Winnie the Pooh stories as, as humor pieces. Mm, yeah, actually. yeah. There, there's definitely some, some humor there. Let's go back to uh, Mike Christiansen for, uh, for another piece. Uh, and we'll be coming back for us to Tim Slover for some more readings. Uh, Mike, what are you going to play for us next? I'll play that uh, great melody written by Irving Berlin, White Christmas. It's a great old standard, isn't it? it is. uh, Irving Berlin. Mike Christiansen on the guitar. You're listening to the Axis Utah Holiday Special, holiday tradition here at UPR. We're in Studio C, our performance space, with guitarist Mike Christiansen. And on the telephone, uh, Tim Slover joins us. Uh, Tim, what uh, do you have for us next? Well, uh, in my opinion, there's just nobody funnier writing verse than Ogden Nash was. Um, and this is a very important poem, Christmas poem that he writes. It, it, it reminds us of two very, very important facts. It's safer to be nice than to be naughty. 
and disbelieving in Santa carries consequences. This is The Boy Who Laughed at Santa Claus by Ogden Nash. In Baltimore, there lived a boy. He wasn't anybody's joy. Although his name was Jabez Dawes, his character was full of flaws. In school, he never led the classes. He hit old ladies' reading glasses. His mouth was open while he chewed and elbows to the table glued. He stole the milk of hungry kittens and walked through doors marked no admittance. He said he acted thus because there wasn't any Santa Claus. Another trick that tickled Jabez was crying boo at little babies. He brushed his teeth, they said in town, sideways instead of up and down. Yet people pardoned every sin and viewed his antics with a grin till they were told by Jabez Dawes, there isn't any Santa Claus. Deploring how he did behave, his parents quickly sought their grave. They hurried through the portals pearly, and Jabez left the funeral early. Like whooping cough from child to child, he sped the rumor wild. Sure as my name is Jabez Dawes, there isn't any Santa Claus. Slunk like a weasel or a marten through nursery and kindergarten, whispering low to every tot, there isn't any. No, there's not. No beard, no pipe, no scarlet clothes, no twinkling eyes, no cherry nose, no sleigh. And furthermore, by Jiminy, nobody coming down the chimney. The children wept all Christmas Eve, and Jabez chortled up his sleeve. No infant dared to hang up his stocking for fear of Jabez ribald mocking. He sprawled on his untidy bed, fresh malice dancing in his head, when presently, with scalp a-tingling, Jabez heard a distant jingling. He heard the crunch of sleigh and hoof crisply alighting on the roof. What good to rise and bar the door? A shower of soot was on the floor. Jabez beheld, oh, awe of Oz, the fireplace full of Santa Claus. Then Jabez fell upon his knees with cries of don't and pretty please. He howled, I don't know where you read it. I swear some other fellow said it. Jabez, replied the angry saint, it isn't I, it is you that ain't. Although there is a Santa Claus, there isn't any Jabez Dawes. Said Jabez then with impudent vim, oh yes there is, and I am him. Your language don't scare me, it doesn't. And suddenly he found he wasn't. From grinning feet to unkempt locks, Jabez became a jack-in-the-box, an ugly toy in Santa's sack, mounting the flue on Santa's back. The neighbors heard his mournful squeal. They searched for him, but not with zeal. No trace was found of Jabez Dawes, which led to thunderous applause, and people drank a loving cup and went and hung their stockings up. All you who sneer at Santa Claus, beware the fate of Jabez Dawes, the saucy boy who told the saint off, the child who got him licked his paint off. <laughs> That's a nice ending. Yeah. The, there are consequences to crossing Santa Claus. There certainly seem to be. Yeah. <laughs> well, we're reaching the end of our program. Just have about uh, four minutes left. Let's hear another song from Mike Christiansen, then maybe one more uh, short piece from uh, Tim Slover. Mike, what do you have for us next? Um, what we're wishing everyone a Merry Christmas.
Very nice. Very nice. Uh, Tim Silver, we have about a minute and a half left. I don't know if you have a short selection. I do. Um, if you'll indulge me, this is actually a poem of mine, a Christmas poem. It's called Embrace. Come embrace, clasp hands and hearts, and find each other's secret wish for God's sake, or else the babe lies spent amid the cattle, shot from home and heaven to no effect. Joseph does not heed Rome's prideful birth-town summons. Many Mary faces neither threatened stones nor promised sword. Angels forbear and shepherds stare into the starless void, and all God's good scheming for us lies unplanned. Embrace, be forever reconciled, though the reconciliation weak man lasts but an hour, the next perhaps endures for two. But let not another leaden moment pass that could be burnished gold, or else the manger's load is only straw. Embrace, awake from peevish sleep of wrong, be healed of hate's arthritic grip, be cheered and cheer, be warmed and kindle heat, who knows but that we never shall again meet round this hearth, this Christmas board. For life flings all apart, still more does death. Who knows but that now, this heartbeat plucked from time, is not alone the instant for taking hands and binding hearts. Or else the tetrarch's murder of sweet boys is but anguish in the dusty streets. The blood which washed the cross, no earthly use. Look, here is Christmas, come again for us, our constant lover. Let us embrace. We've reached the end of our time. Uh, thank you very much, Tim Slover. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. And Mike Christiansen, thanks so much. Mike's going to play us out here. You've been listening to the Axis Utah Holiday Special. And uh, by the way, uh, Tim Slover's Christmas Chronicles, the radio uh, series, is Monday through Thursday of next week, 9 a.m. and 8 p.m. And uh, holiday specials begin uh, tomorrow in the Access Utah slot. Access Utah returns uh, in the new year. And uh, thanks for being with us all this year. For our producer, Shalane Smith-Needham, I'm Tom Williams. Thanks for listening. KUSR HD1 Logan, KUSK HD1 Vernal, KUSL HD1 Richfield, KUST HD1 Moab, KUSU FM HD1.